Chapter 5, Part 1 of Six Women and the Invasion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado. Six Women and the Invasion by Gabrielle and Marguerite Yerta. Chapter 5, Part 1. We were at home again. This was a set-off for the misfortunes with which a wretched fate had loaded us. The house was as snug as we had left it, and we had but to return to our old habits. So we did, and exactly. The cake we had left at our flight was still lying on the table. As we were hungry, we each snatched our share and ate it with ravenous appetite. It was a bit hard, but all the same delicious. We wandered through the house with joy. We were at home again. How many of those who had fled from the invasion had renounced the pleasures of home for months or even years? Some of our friends at Morney had not yet come back. Yet could we pity them? A thousand times no. At least they would never endure the trials to which the conquered are exposed, and which, after a momentary calm, once more had depressed us. The presence of the Germans, quartered in the village, seemed unbearable. Ah, poor, poor snails that we were! In spite of our efforts, the flood had overtaken and submerged us. The tree we tried to climb was too low. The inundation covered everything, and we could not foresee the end of the nightmare. How long should we have to groan and struggle in that all-devouring water? We besought God to deliver us, and God seemed deaf to our ears and blind to our tears. We called to you who were on the mainland over the mountains, insurmountable as the great wall of China. Our hearts called to you, and no one answered. For a fortnight the floods had been out, and already we were losing patience. Morally drowned as we were, we still had a physical need for food. A household of seven persons and two dogs must furnish its larder and cellar with abundant provisions. The grocers of the village had but empty shops. Our neighbors were unhumbled, because each was the owner of a plot of ground. Less favored than the poorest of the poor, we had no crop at all. What would become of us? I have said we had no crop. I was wrong. We even had a superb crop. The pear trees, even those which these last fifteen years had yielded no fruit at all, had deemed it a point of honor to do their best in hard times, and were all laden with huge plump pears, which made your mouth water. They were not ripe yet, but determined not to tempt the green-uniformed marauders. We made up our minds to gather them. For two days we picked them, and filled basket upon basket with pears, long or round, green or yellow. Then there was the problem to solve where to hide them. We laid our heads together, and by unanimous consent decided upon the deserter's attic. On one side the attic was full of faggots, on the other, behind the chimney that comes up from the wash house, there was a floor space, about eight feet square, and there we laid our beautiful pears amid shreds of paper instead of straw. To conceal their retreat, we heaped up at the entrance old boxes, hen-coops, and a garden-roller in elaborate disorder. Nobody would ever have thought that this innocent pile of rubbish was a treasure-hoard. But we, who knew, put one foot here, another there, and at a bound we were on the floor in the very abode of the pears, where cunning paths allowed us to visit our friends and choose the juiciest among them. We never made these visits without a groan, for we always forgot the existence of a big cistern fitted up in the roof, and constantly knocked our heads against this iron ceiling. But the shock itself kindled our imagination, and struck out a flash of genius. Suppose we put the wine into the cistern. 
we thought we had given all our wine to the french soldiers and then we discovered in the bottom of a box about thirty bottles which we resolved to hide from the germans thirst i must admit that our sobriety equals the camels we drink hardly anything besides water a bottle of wine a week satisfies the needs of the whole family but all the same we did not want our wine to moisten german throats so through the yard up the ladder over the boxes the bottles went their way not too well poised on a tottering scaffolding i wriggled into the narrow space between the beam and the cistern i held out a groping hand into which was placed the neck of a bottle and little by little the receptacle was filled we went quickly to work my sister-in-law carried up the bottles with care i laid them down with a gentle hand for it is well known that a prussian ear detects the clinking of bottles a mile off and of course the prussian contiguous to the ear being forewarned rests not until he has secured the two imprudent bottles but all of a sudden i was aroused by a loud shout instantly hushed to a discreet silence i jumped down from my scaffold leapt over the pairs scaled the boxes tumbled down the ladder and found myself in the midst of a perplexed group grandmother what is the matter yvonne and colette prying in the cellar had discovered a fair-sized keg which gurgled when it was shaken the treasure hunters thrust in the bung with an effort inserted a tap drew out a glass of the liquor and brought it to me what is it unctuous yellowish substance was it oil or syrup i looked at it shook the glass smelt it even tasted a drop with the tip of my tongue and then announced it is glucose 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 and we had no sugar left every morning we drank milk and coffee unsweetened by honey madame belaine declared my diagnosis right and we leaped for joy like marionettes there was no more meat no butter and eggs were uncommonly rare but sweetened dishes take the place of everything baskets full of pears a keg of glucose thirty bottles of wine who talked of dearth for truth's sake i must say glucose did not answer as well as we expected when i tried to sweeten the milk with it the milk turned sour and with it the experiment also to my shame on the other hand by stewing the beloved pears with glucose and wine i obtained an unforgettable dish over which a jury of cooks greedily licked its lips and every other evening for two months our scanty menu was thus composed soup stewed pears bread at discretion fresh water at will the glucose went to keep the wine company in the cistern except for a few bottles of either liquid which we craftily concealed in the garden and in case of need we had but to cry out pierrot go and fetch the bottle that is in the reeds or in the blue fur or in the big yew it was much more amusing than simply to go down into the cellar thus our life was not uninteresting but our chief occupation was to watch the horizon east and south where our soldiers were fighting the guns were coming sensibly nearer we heard them growl day and night and when it grew dark we saw shells burst above the hills we spent many hours in the garden looking out for these illuminations hoping we might understand something from the way they went then came the gleam of an explosive striping the sky with a flash of lightning or with a slow trail of light the better to observe we got up the ladder and sat up on the wall to the casual passer-by we might have resembled a flock of crows at roost waiting for gossip's tale madame valaine had no taste for these perilous exercises and contented herself with the stories we told her for us the only spectacle we thought worth while was that very one which almost rent our hearts 
how eagerly we wished for the shells to burst nearer nearer to set the house in a blaze so that we might be set free from our chains about the twenty fifth of september took place the first shock between us and the german army it was nearly eight o'clock in the evening the supper over i went into the garden and was peering at the dark sky heedless of the cold wind which caused my hair and my shawl to flutter when a frightful uproar broke the silence gruff voices cried out vociferously heavy boots kicked at the gates the angry dogs barked till they choked good heavens what is happening i threw myself down the ladder fled through the garden those days were full of wild races got to the house and saw genevieve hasten forth a key in her hand they want us to open the gate she said and we must yvonne seized the dogs by the collar and dragged them in the gate was hardly unlocked when those without threw it open and at the same time overran the yard they were furious and one of them shouted out in bad french when the germans knock at a door it should be opened immediately you think so do you you bush on hearing us speak fluent german they softened and looked at us in amazement they all had the same round faces which the lantern of an under-officer lit up they wanted a lodging barns stables to shelter men and horses all that was difficult to get there is room for but one horse in the stable well that will do for two horses and two men and here is the wash house six men will sleep there the others withdrew to look for a lodging somewhere else the remainder who seemed to be harmless blockheads were convoys we heaped a deep sigh but hardly had a mouthful of air reached our lungs when the yard was already swarming with a new mob standing on the steps i engaged in a parley with the feldwebel the house is chock-full, and eight soldiers are already lodged in the outhouses. He was young, big, and stout, and his hard-featured face was deeply scarred. Of course, he did not allow himself to be prevailed upon. "'It is all the same to me,' he answered. "'Make room for me if you have none.' He ordered me to open the coach-house, but when he saw it crammed up with all sorts of things, he made a wry face. "'And up there?' he asked, pointing at the deserter's attic. "'Good heavens!' the pears the wine i was trembling with fear and was at a loss how to answer when the man altered his mind i would rather have a bedroom to myself and so saying he opened antoinette's door that will do said the person and waving back the silently waiting soldiers he kept but two of them with him we began to move a few things from the room which antoinette had always kept for herself and before the sergeant's taunting eyes we carried away clothes books and knick-knacks the door we had left ajar was suddenly thrown open, and a little coxcomb of an officer came in and cried out in a cheerful tone, Oh, oh, two at a time! That was more than we could stand, and leaving blankets and coverlets, we ran away. At the corner of the house, a brutal arm stopped me, and a soldier I hardly saw in the night muttered something I did not understand about money, five francs. I tried to break loose from the man's hold and answered at random, We were no shopkeepers and sold nothing if you are busy he said another lady would do in the dim light of a glimmering window i caught sight of a slavonic featured black-bearded sneaking-eyed face that belonged to one of the stable dwellers a perfect brute he looked so strange his voice was so peculiar that i suddenly understood the meaning of his words frightened i shook my arm to get it free set off running and got so quickly out of sight he might have believed i had been swallowed up by the night i rushed into the house banged the door, turned the key in it, pushed the bolts, and even then I was not sure I was secure. 
i wished for padlocks bars chains to protect us against such creatures we thought we would never dare go to bed with madame balaine i went through the house to test the wooden shutters in the street the carts of the convoy stood close to the house here and there we saw a lantern glimmer lying under the awnings the drivers tumbled and tossed and from time to time uttered heavy groans those carts reminded us of monstrous beasts hunchbacked and mischievous which squatted at our door to watch and threaten us the yard was pitch dark all seemed to be in a sound sleep but for the horses which kicked and pawed the ground of the narrow stable the men were snoring the dogs shut up in the lobby whined gently we talked in a low voice and went on tiptoe in our own house we felt beset with dangers and cares without taking off our clothes we laid ourselves down our eyes wide open our ears attentive to all outside sounds our nerves on edge so we waited for the break of day the germans got up at the first glimmer of a misty sun and we watched them through the trellised shutters they had cooked a potato soup a grey and sticky stuff to which they added some brandy and which they ate without conviction for hours together they peeled vegetables hummed tunes whistled dawdled up and down but they never drew a drop of water from the pump and they seemed wholly unacquainted with the fact that a human being ought to wash then they began cleaning their arms most carefully and deluged them with petroleum and oil our amazement was the same which the sight of wigwams or niggers cabins might have roused seen for the first time their guns leaning against the gate confirmed this impression real savages arms the bayonets were about a hand's breadth and notched like a saw at the mere thought of the wounds such teeth would make in the flesh an icy chill ran through our veins about nine after half an hour's monotonous shouting the convoy filed off and soon after vanished from sight as soon as they were gone we rushed out the street swarmed with people like an ant hill which a clumsy foot has trodden on well well german boots leave traces the high street of Mon had never before witnessed such filth on all sides lay dirty straw muddy rags formless scraps of iron the horse dung looked clean compared with the rest as to ourselves we cried with horror at the sight of our poor yard into which we could not put our foot oily pools stood here and there the pavement bespattered with mud was covered all over with dirty rags greasy papers vegetable peelings and overtopping all the rest what antoinette pompously called human dejections and yet in a corner of the garden was a closet formerly intended for the gardener but such people disgusted and bewailing old tassin spent the whole afternoon in cleaning the yard and made more than one unpleasant discovery such as about forty pounds of rotten meat concealed in the straw the small room was in a sorry plight the pandours had emptied the ink-pot into a work-table scribbled the walls all over broken a vase taken away a woolen blanket an eiderdown and a door-curtain as to the mattress and the spring mattress we could not have touched them with a pair of tongs covered as they were with spots of grease it is agreeable to receive germans antoinette instantly made up her mind to change her room and easily transformed one of the attics we went roundly to work and the small room was soon as empty as a pomeranian's head we had made up our minds that the creatures should bring straw with them if they required hospitality a second time to the king of prussia himself we would have grudged a bed lest he should leave it in as bad a condition as his men the convoy came back that very evening our guests of yesterday went back to their lodging only the inhabitants of the small room did not return perhaps what was left them of conscience reproached them with the theft 
early in the morning the carts went off and after three hours work old tasson declared he had removed all traces of their second visit the whole village complained that the rascals had not only dirtied whatever they approached but had stolen what they wanted wasted provender and oats and had thrown down whole sheaves of wheat for their horses to lie on in the few weeks of the occupation the invaders bled the country to death in Marni they took thousands of fowls hundreds of pigs and sheep and i don't know how many horses and cows monsieur lantois black bull which his ravishers had tethered to a cart and then abandoned in the middle of the road protested in a wild fierce and fitful roar that he repeated every other minute for hours together the farmers dreaded marauders still more than official requisitions for what was requisitioned they obtained if they insisted a note of hand often scribbled in pencil and almost illegible but at least proving they had been deprived of something the soldiers of course took an unfair advantage of their victims who knew not german and cheated them in every way we were often asked to translate such i o u s as had been composed according to the writer's own fancy paid and carried away a horse wrote one requisitioner who had but paid with lies exchanged two horses of equal worth another pretended when a broken-down hack had supplied the place of a good mare received forty pounds of bacon and the honest customer knew he had gained four hundred fifty kilograms on the pork butcher in spite of all the country people attached a great importance to these notes of hand and the marauders gave them none they went two or three together got into the houses when the people were working out in the fields searched them from top to bottom and laid hands on what pleased them they stripped the hen-houses and dovecots they would drop in unawares when the people were about to sit down to dinner and then divert themselves by seizing and feasting upon the dishes before the balked peasants very faces thus eaten out of house and home the village would soon be starved the mayor of monet and musillonet resolved to go to leon and seek some protection against the raiders the answer they got from the germans was that first rural matters were no concern of theirs and secondly that the people were expected to give everything the soldiers asked for a word to the wise is enough those who have not known the evils of invasion cannot imagine the rage and despair which filled our hearts at being thus enslaved and ground down impotent wrath overwhelming despondency took hold of our souls at once humiliated and revolted like true civilized people we could not understand why we were forbidden to claim justice to seek redress why we were expected to yield to brute strength and there was no use to cry out for help to crave assistance it seemed to us that we were forsaken by god and men but was the trap shut tight were we for instance whose interests lives and dearest affections lay on the other side of the front without means to break through the enemy's barrier were we actually prisoners my mother-in-law made up her mind to go to long in order to consult competent judges i was to accompany her this poor long which i had seen but a few weeks ago bright with french animation in what state did we find it we saw a few civilians only with hard and hostile faces on the other hand there were a great many grey-clad germans in the streets with their helmets on bustling about in the best of humour they seemed at home everywhere and masters of all the houses most shops were shut up i tried to get into the only one i saw open but nobody was in it only in the recesses of the back shop a big hand was busy about a saucepan and heavy steps shook the spiral staircase it is easy to understand that i had had enough of it and that i hastened out with all possible speed the sight of their forsaken shops would have rent the hearts of the owners had they been gifted with second sight 
one of them i suppose it was a grocer's had been smashed to atoms glass jars drawers looking-glasses were but things of the past and the floor was covered all over with a litter twenty inches high of biscuits sweets macaroni rice and odds and ends of all kinds we went to see the mayor and asked him the questions which we were anxious to have answered were the germans to settle in the country was it possible to go to paris his answer was like a death knell nothing was to be done the germans were not likely to clear out he deemed it folly to try to go away i left the room heartbroken end of chapter five part one read by lynette calkins monument colorado october two thousand nineteen